0: Welcome to Escrow Out Loud, the SF Real Estate Podcast from Jackson Fuller Real Estate. Experts on San Francisco real estate since 2002. Podcast notes with links available at jacksonfuller.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Matt Fuller, broker of record with Jackson Fuller Real Estate. My guest today is a disability awareness consultant and advocate based in Toronto, Canada. He's also a fellow gay man and podcaster Welcome to the show, Andrew Gerza.
1: Hey, Matt Fuller. Thank you for having me. How are you today?
0: I am doing as well as can be expected, given all of the fire and smoke on the West Coast, but I'm here and alive enough to complain about it, so there's that.
1: Fine. Uh, Yeah, you guys are having a rough go over there, and I'm sorry about that for you.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, The air quality index in the city today is hovering around 200 which is unpleasant, but not nearly as miserable as Oregon and Washington and all of those who have lost their homes throughout California, Oregon, and Washington. So, yeah, kind of miserable. Over in Toronto, though, you told me it's getting cold. Like, six degrees Celsius tonight?
1: Yeah, it's getting a little bit nipply out there today.
0: That in San Francisco would be classified as a weather emergency, yeah. right? Like that would be front page news. The city would be shutting down more than it's already shut down. We would be in a panic.
1: More than you already are.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show today and willing to talk about ableism, disability access, real estate. We actually met on another podcast that I do and you have your own podcast. So thank you for being a guest today. really appreciate
1: it. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to... Uh... Put on a different hat and be and talk about different things around disability. Cause usually I talk about other stuff and this is a totally different spin, so I'm excited.
0: Right. You usually talk about sex and disability. So now it's like houses and disability. Yeah. I think your first choice was probably more interesting to a lot more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: but I mean this is important because I mean I think we don't talk about access generally. So when I pitched the idea to you, I was like, oh, I can talk about that because I have a lot of feelings about how inaccessible houses are for disabled people and how...
0: I think we're going to get into this, but as I was doing research for this podcast, I was actually pretty shocked and depressed. But that's not nothing that's news to you at this point. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. My name is Andrew Gerza. I'm a disability awareness consultant and cripple content creator. I work specifically in kind of disability... like bringing awareness to the lived experience of disability, talking about what it means to be disabled, talking about how it feels to be disabled, from my experience as a cis, queer, power wheelchair using person. And so I try to bring kind of my lived experience of being a disabled person to other people who generally don't have a lot of knowledge around what it means to be disabled and some of the access barriers that we face. So I try to bring it to people in a way that is fun and inviting and playful and sexy and and different than what they're used to seeing.
0: How did you end up in this career?
1: How did I end up in this career? Necessity, really. I needed to make my own money, and I wasn't finding a job that I wanted. When you're disabled, a lot of the time you are connected to employment agencies that will help you find work. And so I went to them and said, I want to be a speaker. I want to do talks. Like, I want to make real money doing this is what I want to do. And they said, oh, that's not a real job. That's just a hobby. And so I was like, well, fuck you. It's a hobby. Watch me make it a job. And so I just kind of decided that, okay, well, if no one's going to hire me, I'm going to start saying this is what I do and saying this is the job I have. And I had no idea what it meant. And I put it on a business card and said, here's who I am, I guess. Hire me. So I really kind of made it, created the job for myself because I wasn't finding a conventional nine-to-five job. I was having trouble accessing that market because I didn't want to do data entry my whole life I didn't want to do flipping I couldn't do flipping burgers physically so I was like what else can I do and then I was like well I have this lived experience and people are always curious about disability so why didn't I talk about that
0: you're based out of Toronto Canada yes yes so tell me a little bit about where you live like what kind of a home do you have what kind of building it is what kind of neighborhood and let's start there if we could
1: Sure. I live in Toronto, Canada, in the distillery district, which is an up and coming part of Toronto where, like, basically all the cool kids go. And it's in the east end of the city. And it's got one of the oldest distilleries in Canada there. I think it's called Goodham or Gorham. Something works. And it's, it's a big distillery and it's literally five minutes from my house. And I can walk there and, like, you can get, like, craft beer there. And all these really yuppy things, and all these, like, really nice shops are there. And, but it's, it's a new part of town. I live down there. And the apartment that I live in is a supported housing unit, which means where I live, I'm privileged enough to have staff 24-7 here that help take care of me. So it's not a group home. It's not, it's not like they don't tell me what I can and can't do, but they are if I needed something. So my building is connected to a care agency that I can access when I need to.
0: And so our listeners understand your disability has you in a wheelchair.
1: Yeah, I'm a wheelchair user. That's right.
0: Pretty much all of your life, may I ask?
1: Yes. So I was born with cerebral palsy, uh, which is basically, for anyone who doesn't know, brain damage from birth. And I was born three months early because I was like, fuck, I'm coming out right now. And so I was born three months early. And as a result of that, I am a wheelchair user. So I can feel everything. I'm not paralyzed. I can feel everything. Everything works. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I, um, I can't walk. And so I need care as a result of that.
0: So, obviously, being in Canada, your healthcare system gives you access uh, to more coverage and support than the average American. How long have you been in your house and and how did you find it? Did, was it through the agency that you were working with or or was it a special resource or is it something that anyone with a disability in Canada would be able to access?
1: It's through the agency that I work with, so Before that, I was living in an agency home up north, like about an hour and a half north of where I am right now, kind of in the suburbs. And in a similar situation where I had care, I had the home and I uh, had care staff attached. You have to go on a waiting list to get this kind of support. So I waited for this apartment that I'm in right now for about four years. And the only way that I got it was because I was on a waiting list and I had, I was hounding them every day to be like, I want to move downtown, I want to move downtown, I want to move downtown. And finally they opened up a spot.
0: So, was the place you were in prior, like in the, the suburbs, when it was also accessible? It was just far, far out in suburbia.
1: Yeah, it was quote unquote accessible. And we'll get into how I feel about the word accessible.
0: Let's hit it. Like, how, how do you feel about the word accessible?
1: In terms of like apartment stuff, my home right now is technically an accessible apartment it's a one-bedroom like studio apartment i guess you could say i don't know all the terms it's a one-bedroom with like a little kitchenette and like a big living space and a bathroom and that's about it but
0: we call that a one-bedroom in san francisco
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's it's a it's a one-bedroom but if you were over and i wanted to get you like a glass of water or something i can't reach the cabinets I can't reach to turn on the sink by myself. I can't open the oven if I wanted to. I couldn't like do basic things in the home without help. Can't get myself a snack without help because the cabinets are up high where someone in a wheelchair can't reach. And I can't like turn on the sink to wash my hands if I want to because the tap is too far from where I can reach. So... Yes, it's accessible in that I can get my wheelchair in the room, but I can't do much else.
0: Wow. I guess we would go with kind of a misnomer there, you know. As we're talking about this accessible, obviously your search is a little different than somebody, you know, who is in the market to, to buy a home here in San Francisco. But I was amazed how little our multiple listing service Actually, supports any information. Yeah, it's pretty uh, about disability or
1: How there's not in most businesses generally. Whether we're talking about real estate or you know, because we're both gay men, because talking about real estate or like club owning, any business you go into will probably not have accessibility standards listed or what's available that's accessible. Which is a shame, really, because like even when I'm looking to visit places, because I do a lot of traveling with my work. When I'm looking to visit somewhere to stay for a day or two for work, I often look for Airbnbs instead of getting a hotel because Airbnbs tend to be a bit homier and a little bit cheaper sometimes maybe. So I always look for accessible and you would be surprised how very little that's often included in what I look for. So I can't imagine trying to buy a home, looking for very specific accessibility needs and having no options available to you.
0: Well, let's just kind of, you know, stop making this a theoretical conversation. And let's say you're my buyer and you came to me and said, you know, Matt, my speaking and consulting career is off the charts phenomenal because my podcast is such a huge success. I got a couple million to put down on a place here in the city. Could you help me find it? If you were to say that to me, I'd be like, sure, Andrew, I'll help you out. And then, you know what happens next?
1: And then you go, oh, there's no listings? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you've got a good budget, two million bucks. We're definitely going to find you something here. If I was to turn to our multiple listing service, which is the kind of primary way that agents communicate listing availability to other agents in San Francisco, it's also what feeds all of the public sites like Redfin and Zillow and so on and so forth. Currently, the San Francisco MLS has arguably four perhaps five fields that are related to accessibility and disability. Are you ready for them? I'm ready. Elevator? Yes or no? Handicap bath? Yes or no? Lowered switches? Yes or no? Wheelchair access? Yes or no? And flashing warnings? Yes or no? That's it. Furthermore, of those five, none of them are actually required. So unless the listing agent goes out of their way to enter that information, it doesn't propagate through the system. And then on top of that, because those fields are so rarely used, most of the large portals and brokerages don't bother to map them onto their public websites. So even if the information was listed in the original source, it never makes it to the website almost ever. We can't rely on the MLS. We got that one. But I actually do have a little bit of good news about the MLS. Can I share it with you, Andrew? I'm ready. This coming 2021, uh, San Francisco is actually moving to a, a regional MLS with our Bay Area partners. And the number of disabled and accessibility fields goes to over a dozen. Well, that's better. It's a lot more descriptive.
1: Because based on the four you've given me, like, what were they again?
0: Does the building have an elevator? Does it have a handicapped bath, lowered switches, or wheelchair access, or flashing warnings?
1: Okay, because I have questions. What does wheelchair access mean? Who are they talking about? Because guess what? Wheelchairs come in different shapes and sizes, and you know some, some are power, some are manual. So, like, to say, as the end user of both the apartment and a wheelchair, to say, oh, yeah, it has wheelchair access. I use a power chair, for instance. So my chair is often too big to fit on, to fit in accessible buses, and to fit into like, you know, to just hop on a bus and go. Oh, my chair is often too big. So when they say wheelchair access, my first thought as a buyer is, which wheelchair are they talking about? What you know, have they done the specs to make sure? And I would guess probably
0: not. And thank you, Andrew, for walking our listeners into the frustrating catch twenty two that exists. Because guess what? Exactly to your point, no listing agent knows what wheelchair access means, and no listing agent wants to get sued about misrepresentation. So since it's not a required box and you don't have to figure it out, they just never check it.
1: Oh, that's even that's so, that's so bad. I mean, that speaks to the level of ableism in this market, because it suggests then that a disabled person in a wheelchair who does have $2 million in the bank and wants to buy a fancy... SF Bay home, which by the way, can we make that happen, please? Yes, I want to do that.
0: It's all on you, man. How's the consultant career coming? I know you are rocking it. I just bought my disability after dark t shirt, so I know your merch is like off the hook as well. <laughs> disabled
1: people are hot shirt. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's what I mean. So many hashtags, Andrew. So many hashtags.
1: I saw the Twitter yesterday, so many hashtags. But you know, they need to address their ableism because disabled people deserve housing and they they Deserve proper housing that they can access. Like, they shouldn't be put in places where, yes, it's accessible, and that I can get my wheelchair in the room, but I can't feel at home in here. And that's sort of where I live right now. It's my home, and I, I'm I like it, and I'm I like that it's accessible-ish, but I still can't. If you were to come over and I would hang out at my house right now, I couldn't be a good host to you. I couldn't offer you a drink. I couldn't. You know what I mean? And it just feels very. Inaccessible, like and and based on some of those some of those boxes you've told me that that are in the MLS there, how big is the elevator? Can it fit more than one chair? Because what if you what if you have a friend that you want to go out with and you want them to come the elevator with you? And also you also said a handicapped bath, like what does that mean? That makes no sense to me. First of all, it should say I would hope it would say bath slash roll in shower, because a lot of disabled people need more space a lot of these units that they put people in don't account for the fact that somebody with a disability might not, and not everybody, but somebody with complex disabilities like me would need somebody to help them shower, help them dress, help them with all the activities of daily living that many able-bodied homebuyers probably take for granted. I have to think of the space for myself, my wheelchair, and another person. So when it says things like, Handicap bath. My very first thought is, well, what does that mean? You didn't lay it out for me. And my feeling is, and it feels having you know having heard that from you and having you read that read, read those things out to me, it felt like they put those check boxes in there because they were required to by the ADA or they were required to by law so they didn't get sued, but they didn't do their due diligence in like, what does it mean? Did you hire a disabled consultant to? test what that means? Did you ask the community what they need? Probably not. And if you asked one person, you didn't ask enough because guess what? Every disability is different and they're going to tell you different things. So you need every single thing available to you.
0: Well, I wasn't around for the addition of these fields to the MLS. Uh, I've been involved enough in industry, MLS politics, that I... I'm not stepping out on a a risky limb here when I say there was actually no requirement uh, that we add these fields, but, you know, there was a lawsuit and it was like, you know, we need to do something so that, you know, we can show we've done something. So here, we've done something. And, you know, I mean, I think that sounds a little cynical and I, I don't mean it to be, you know, I think there is at least a minimum level of good intent behind it. But there's also a maximum level of really not understanding how we can serve those markets. Uh, When I served in leadership for volunteer leadership for the associations, you know, we spoke a lot about diversity and increasing representation of women and people of color, like never once the topic of accessibility and disabled people come up. That's unfortunately pretty gross. And I can tell you, In terms of people with a physical disability that, you know, I worked with in a leadership role, I'm pretty sure it was zero. So when I was involved in state and association leadership for realtor associations, we always spoke about increasing diversity in terms of people of color and women in leadership positions. Disability never came up. And I cannot think of one person with a physical disability that I worked with uh, in a leadership role uh, from local, state to national housing.
1: Wow, but that's not surprising at all. I'm actually not surprised by that in the least because, from a job standpoint, disabled people, whether physically or invisibly disabled, they they don't have a lot of options in the, in the workforce because people won't hire them because people don't know, or they hire them because they feel they have to to like make their company look good, but they don't think about what are the accessibility needs of a of this person and. It's clear your market needs more of us, so hire us.
0: Well, that's actually a great point. You wouldn't be able to show most homes in San Francisco. Like, physically... Unable because of lack of accommodation from single family homes to small condo buildings. Like if we're coming back to your search for a house, there's a lot of San Francisco you wouldn't be able to look and live in. Like here are some examples, like I have a client, a great repeat client. And at one point they wanted a house, a single family house with no steps. That doesn't sound like a hard request.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: I think in like 18 years of looking at houses across San Francisco, the number of houses I have found that have absolutely zero steps in or out is zero. Maybe I found like one or two, but it is incredibly rare, right? For a house not to have at least one step. Yeah. Yeah. Someplace in that entry process. And then we get to condominiums and apartments, and all of our, you know, most of our housing stock is older, built, you know, pre 1976, definitely, definitely pre 1990 and the American with Disabilities Act. So a one to four unit Victorian condominium association with a, you know, condominium in the Castro for you, there's no way. Ground floor condominiums, garden level sounds accessible, except they're almost always, you know, through a narrow door uh, that's not going to accommodate your wheelchair and or a narrow tradesman, tradesperson breezeway kind of alley along the side of the house. So realistically, like we would be looking at newer construction in a certain set of neighborhoods that had buildings. That were built and designed post 1990 and actually had options that would work for you. And even if none of those options are categorized in the MLS, uh, I've been doing this so long, I could talk your little head off about buildings and how big their elevators are for hours. But yeah, it really restricts you.
1: Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, I've never been to San Fran. I've, I've always wanted to go and visit, and one day, one day I will.
0: Now you have to come, and I can, we can write this off as a business expense. Andrew goes house shopping. I would love, you know, when it's safe to,
1: to travel in the world again, and there are not fire tornadoes happening, I will come. But, uh, you know, it's really sad that we've reached this, that it's 2020. The ADA has been in effect now for 30 years, and you're basically t- basically, what you've told me, and what you would tell any disabled buyer by telling me what you've told me is that we, I can't live there.
0: In a huge chunk of the city, you can't. If you would like to live in a high amenity, uh, high-rise and or mid-rise, I've got options for you, right? Or I could even find you a kind of a low boutique-y mid-rise building with a, a reasonable homeowners association. But it definitely restricts the parts of the city you're going to be in. And, you know, it really restricts you to a condominium because, you know, you would have to, at, minimally, you're looking at doing some exterior ramp work if you were to buy a single family house. Yeah. Minimally.
1: Even if you look at like the condo, then we would have to look at how do we make that actually accessible for somebody? Because if I can't reach to get a glass of water, then the house is not accessible. If I can't reach to turn on the sink, the house is not really accessible.
0: Yeah, you're 100%. So let me take you into these new condo buildings. I've actually done a lot of sales and new condo construction in San Francisco over the years. And when you're buying brand new construction from the developer, They're actually, because of ADA, required to ask, you know, would you like your house to include any of these accommodations, like a a wheel-in shower or lowered cabinets and countertops or a sink that, you know, doesn't have a cabinet under it so that you can get your chair closer to the sink and so on and so forth. So as a purchaser of brand new construction, you actually do have a chance to do that if you're buying brand new construction and that's a very small percentage of San Francisco real estate overall, and I've also never had a buyer opt in, wait, wait, I take that back. I've had one buyer opt for you know disability slash able you know upgrades, and I've had one buyer that bought a condo that had been built to that spec, and the the buyer who did those specs was not disabled, they were just older.
1: See, I think that's why every city, everywhere, should start focusing on this accessibility because it isn't just for physically disabled people right now. Like, I always say in the work that I do as an activist, disability is going to become a part of your life, whether you're ready for it or not. And I don't mean that it's like a scary, like, ooh, it's coming for you, but it is going to be a part of your life. And so, why aren't we talking about it now? And also, able bodied people can have disabled friends who want to come over and hang out. You could have a disabled partner that you want to live with or move in with. And and like, they don't want to have to think about all this stuff when you get older and you start getting arthritis and all the things that happen when you get older and things with your hands start happening, you want stuff that's accessible for you. So why aren't we putting this in? Like, obviously the parts of the city you're talking about sound like they have to be really retrofitted to make any of this work, but we should be building cities now, with disability in mind, and it's a shame, and actually it's, it just feels almost criminal that we're not, because think about how much more money from the real estate market would get if you said, "Don't worry, we've taken care of all that for you or we've done our best to make it, it as successful as possible without you know you having to ask or be asked." We put this in just because.
0: would you like to hear my theory on that one?: I would. OK the reason I think most people don't is we have a really hard time dealing with disability and all of the adaptations for physical disability are very visible reminders, you know, I don't think people, yeah, I think we're all little snowflakes and no one wants to be reminded that could be us.
1: Well, guess what? It's going to be. So Matt Fuller, when you become a wheelchair user in 30 years,
0: Thanks for giving me at least thirty. That puts me into you know my seventies yeah, before I'm into a chair. I thought you That's know cool. I'll be, I'll be generous.
1: So I was going to say twenty, but I was like I'll be I'll be generous. When you become a wheelchair user, you're going to want that stuff to be thought of, and you're gonna you're gonna start saying like, oh, why didn't they think of this? And it's because the reason you didn't think about it is because you're scared we're doing something wrong. And what that means is we have to start talking about disability overall. Now we have to start uncovering why the can I can I swear on this podcast? Sure uncovering why the fuck we're scared about it and what makes us uncomfortable about it. Because I can't run away from my disability. What I would kill for some proper accessibility. And I don't care if I have to see it. It's also a reminder that you thought about me. Like, it's not something... I think you're right. I think people are scared. But I think you have to spin it the other way. It means you gave a shit about the person you're selling to and you figured out what their needs are. Like, I saw that Queer Eye for the the Straight Guy reboot where they rebooted that disabled guy's home and it was in like Atlanta somewhere and they went in and they made everything accessible for him and it was this whole big show and it was like good for them for being so cool and like he cried and they cried and I thought it was a little bit ridiculous but like they went in and they redid his home and so my thinking is like why can't we do that for disabled people like why can't you know before you build a structure hire a disabled consultant or a number of disabled consultants and say what the fuck do we do here how do we make this right
0: can I tell you a story about how little thought often goes into the redevelopment of properties in San Francisco? I'm ready. Okay. So I was showing, uh, this is not a theoretical house, I was showing a redeveloped home in the central Richmond neighborhood of San Francisco. It was an Edwardian on two levels, completely gutted on the inside, totally redone, like modern open floor plan. And... It was beautiful, Andrew. It was really beautiful. Like you take a picture of it, like put it in Dwell magazine, like awesome. You know what they, they forgot, Andrew? What did they forget, Matt? On the main level of the house, the living, dining, kitchen level, the one with like the kitchen, the front door, the one with people coming and going, there was no coat closet. And there was not one closet for a vacuum or any other implement that you might need to maintain your house. Much less any thought to disability.
1: Wow. Well, that says a but lot. It was
0: beautiful. It was beautiful.
1: I mean, that's nice. But at the same time, <laughs> like, who cares about beauty? I want, my, I want my vacuum. And, like, you know, speaking to that and how minimal, like, the, even the apartment that I live in right now, the one that I live in right now, because I live in downtown Toronto, there's one tiny coat closet. There's not enough room for all my things. I have a myriad of devices that I need to be comfortable in my home, and there's just not enough room. And it's like, when you were building these things, why didn't you? And they knew they knew I was moving in there for about a year. They knew I was gonna gonna be a tenant there for about a year. I was like, why didn't you call me and say, hey, what do you need? What do you need in here? Like, how can we make this better for you? We're building your house right now. What can we do to make it easier for you to live here? These. Builders don't do this. They follow a very inaccessible standard that people think if you can fit a wheelchair in that in the room, you've somehow made accessibility. But I see this in hotels all the time, too. They don't have buttons on the doors in the hotel room that I can easily access. They don't have the bathrooms are not usually accessible to get a wheelchair accessible bathroom in any hotel anywhere because I travel all the time for is like you've hit the jackpot if they have some sort of shower you can wheel a commode chair into. It just, it's really upsetting how housing for disabled people is so scarce and housing for disabled people that actually meets their needs is almost non-existent.
0: Well, I don't know what the, the laws are in Canada, but one of the things I discovered as I was researching this as I understand it with the Americans with Disabilities Act is well, it does mandate like new home design is supposed to, you know, be accessible or have accessibility standards and they publish a lot of like samples and, and ideas. For the most part, the Americans with Disability Act does not apply to residential real estate. It does apply in some limited areas, but for the most part, there is no regulation around disability and accessibility and residential real estate.
1: The ADA is an employment law that, if you look at it, it's really for discrimination against disabled people in employment. Everything that I've ever looked at around the ADA it says, like, oh, if I'm discriminated against, then I'm going to fight it. But, like, or if I can't get a job, then I'll fight it.
0: And also, like, places of public accommodation, right? Yeah. Like, businesses or. Places, public places.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't speak to kind of the lived experience. And I think that's where the law falters. Both there and in Canada, the laws, they have great stuff on paper about how equal we all are until we say, hey, my lived experience of disability requires that I need something slightly outside your guidelines. And they go, oh, sorry, we can't provide that. Best luck to you. Bye. And it's like, that's not how it should work. They need to be hiring and talking to more disabled people, especially in the real estate market, because not only right now during COVID, but also most disabled people, given what their needs are, obviously we go out and we have lives, but our home bases are typically the places where we feel most accessible and we would feel most comfortable to be as disabled as some of us are. And what I mean by that is like, we have all our devices, we have our care needs, we have our care providers with us. So like, We're home a lot, at least in my experience. I'm home a lot because I feel the most accessible there. So if the space isn't accessible to me by way of, like, I can't reach the cabinets, I can't turn on the sink, I can't, you know, get my hot friends a glass of water, then, like, I, you know, then how is it accessible to me?
0: Agreed. And I don't have the answer because it's not.
1: Yeah. Well, the answer is, admit we've fucked up all of us in these spaces and start hiring I mean, first of all, start grooming disabled people to be aid agents and figuring out how to like do, bring more physically disabled people into that space, because that would be amazing to see. And secondly, if you can't do that, hire them on as consultants to give you advice and to explain to you how to make your practice more accessible. And we're not doing that because, as you say, we're afraid of we're afraid, I think, as a society to offend people. But the trouble with that is that because we're afraid to offend somebody with disabilities, it means we don't talk about anything at all, which means we don't talk, which means we don't learn anything or fix anything. We just, oh, no, I can't talk about that. Got to run away. Like, no.
0: You avoid the problem and you also avoid any opportunity at learning anything about someone and something different than you. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Like you and I talked last week for your other podcast and, and, you know, we talked through some Ableist stuff and we... Had a conversation, and it was super fun. And, I say
0: lots of stupid things that's the point of that story <laughs> I mean <laughs> but I'm working on learning to read a room better
1: i mean i hope I hope so
0: because <laughs> I couldn't get my tours.
1: <laughs> So I hope so, but uh, no, no, but but like you know, I liked doing that with you because we had a conversation, and you learn, and I taught you, and so we need to be hiring more people in these spaces to have these conversations everywhere in disability generated because then you would have no problem going up to somebody and saying so what are your access needs and can you explain to me how that works for you I was in a hotel in Hollywood a few months ago for an award show that I was at and they weren't accessible and the person I was with the the hotel manager I was really mad and I went down there and I was freaking out because I'd never been to Hollywood I'd never been like I was I got to be pampered for like a weekend so I never got to go do that and I was like I'm in Hollywood I want to be pampered what the fuck why is this not accessible and she was so kind to me. We went all over the room and she said, can you lay out for me one by one what the issues were? And I went through with her for four and a half hours about why it wouldn't work and what I would need and how we could make it better. And I gave concrete solutions and said, like, you can't fix it now, but you need somebody to tell you. And I'm going to take the time to tell you. And I think what the real estate market needs to do is hire these individuals To just do, I mean, if they can't get in there in the wheelchair, that's a problem. But let's say you had one or two that they could get into. They go through with them in a walkthrough and say, okay, how is this inaccessible for you? Tell me, show me, let me film it. And then let's talk about it so we can figure out how to make this better. Or if you're building a new block of units, like a brand new structure, hire somebody as you're building and say, okay, here's what we've got. Is this, will this work for you? Yes or no, we're building this like, Maybe it's not just for you, but if somebody was in your situation, what could we do for you? Have some forethought into it so that it's not... I feel like everything with disabilities is always an afterthought. And it's like, if you just asked us at the beginning, from the ground up, like the company that I run with my sister is a sexuality and wellness company called Handy, which you should all go look at right now. We run a, a company about sexuality and wellness. And we've had conversations with the community from the beginning. And so to transfer it to, to real estate, as you're going to figure out listings, have somebody there. Like I'm sure as part of your training as a real estate agent and correct me if I'm wrong, agent, broker, what's your title? Who are
0: you? Uh co-founder and broker of record. Okay. Pretty sweet sounding titles, right?
1: Okay. I was just going to say you were a nice looking gentleman.
0: I've been called so much worse, but like, but
1: you know, take a disabled person into that whole experience, and get them to show you like what it is they need, and you know, I'm sure you've had diversity training in your.
0: You're hilarious, have you not? So, real estate in America, and for the most part, as I understand it, in Canada. American real estate is traditionally structured with all of the sales agents in a real estate brokerage being independent consultants who are on 1099s and are not considered employees. Oh. And because it's an independent contractor relationship, it completely changes the requirements that a brokerage has in terms of liability and responsibility Now, at this point, like all of them, you know, the big brokerages, you know, have programs and such. But as a a general rule, it's real estate is a lightly regulated industry. Let's just leave it at that, particularly on the employment side of things.
1: Okay, so blow my mind. I thought it was a bit more structured than that. That does allow for you to, as an independent contractor within the ridiculous combines they put you in, you can start talking to other disabled people and saying like, Hey, I want to, as an independent contractor here, I want to get better and I want to, you know, provide as much access as I can. And like one of the questions you were going to ask me today is like, what can you do to make it better? Well, that's a, that's a start. Like start.
0: The independent contractor loophole for real estate brokerages will be the death of the real estate industry. It is our source of cheap labor and it is the cause of all of our quality control issues. Like, I'm on salary. My business partner is on salary. Everyone here at Jackson Fuller is on salary. We don't do the independent contractor thing. But as an industry, we're addicted to the cheap labor.
1: Fun. Well, if you're going to hire any disability consultants, pay them, pay them, and pay them, and pay them as well as you can because.
0: No, I'd actually, I want to introduce you to uh, the team at our association. I'd love for you to do an event for the San Francisco Association of Realtors.
1: I would love to because I just think, you know, I just think that San Francisco, and again, I've never been there, so I can't speak to like how beautiful the city actually is. But from what I've seen and the people that I know that are there, it sounds like an amazing place. And like, I'd love to be able to explore it and to know that it's off limits to me in many ways is really sad. Like, I always see, as a gay man, I see a bunch of photos of like, gay men at the Castro and all these gay men like doing all these super like iconic gay San Fran things and
0: yeah it's gay Disneyland here we just step out our front door and go do like you know gay things all day long
1: I mean and I want to do some gay things and if I would want to do some gay things with a partner in my home I'd want to know that I could get in my home and like access it properly and so I just feel like and have a cup of water
0: after you're exhausted and thirsty yeah that's
1: right this is an indie podcast, right? Like you know, you don't have to send it to people. This is like you just doing it. This
0: is why I work for me. Nobody else will hire me, Andrew. Yeah, I
1: know. I know that. <laughs> I know that. I know, the, I know the feeling.
0: I know the feeling. <laughs> So to your point, uh, you kind of like hinted at it just a moment ago. My big wrap up question for you is uh, not only as an industry, big picture, but as an individual brokerage out there meeting with folks every day, you know, what are the top three things, you know, we as an industry can do, but and not only that, myself as a broker can do, I'm going to kind of take that down to do two, because it sounds like you've already given us the first one, which is don't be afraid to start a conversation.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't be afraid to start a conversation. Don't be afraid to swallow your foot. If you say something ableist, it's okay. And if you don't know something, ask. And like, but I I would say the big thing that I've gleaned from talking with you today about the market, about the industry, I came into this cold. I don't know the real estate market. Like, I don't know anything about this. I'm literally just sharing my disability experience.
0: You mean I'm really the only one here that spends all weekend Googling houses and listing and looking at real estate on the internet? Okay. I mean, probably not, but of the two of us. It wasn't your weekend? Yes.
1: I look for other big things that I can enter. But that's that's beside the point. But no, but you know, they, they hire more disabled people, talk to them, be aware of your own ableism in the market, and like for you as a as a broker to just run to run up the stairs of a listing for a disabled person, that would be a whole that's a whole deal. So think about how the the privilege in that and think about like and obviously there's a lot you can't do because the city, like you said, it's pretty a lot of the structures are pre ADA and pre nineteen ninety and all that stuff, but like we can at least start having the conversation. Like California for power wheelchair users, when it isn't a fire tornado of death, is you know somewhere that that a lot of us like to go because it's warm. Like imagine not having accessibility in your apartment when it's like minus twenty outside. Like how crappy it would be to try to try to gain access when you couldn't like getting because of the snow so I think California is in a prime position to make more accessibility for these individuals I mean and also think about like think about how annoying it would be if you wanted to right now Matt go get a glass of water and you couldn't reach it you're in your accessible spot and you couldn't do it but it's accessible to you right because you can get in the house like we need to expand our view of what accessible means past oh you can get in the room. That's not what it is.
0: So close yet so far, right? In some ways, it's almost worse, right? Because we got you closer to the, the water, but not close enough.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I always say this, I always say accessibility is a feeling. It's not only ramps and elevators and buttons. It's how do you feel as a disabled person when you're in the room? If you don't feel like your needs are being met, the room is not accessible for you. The event space is not accessible for you. The hotel is not accessible for you if you don't feel like your needs as a disabled person are being met. And so we have to look at accessibility as a feeling versus like a thing we have to tack on at the end and i feel like everywhere not just in real estate not just in your industry but everywhere i feel like disability is requirement and not something we give value to and we think about from a holistic standpoint
0: accessibility is a feeling i actually i think that's a great quote Is that like it's new to me do you say it all the time that's like an
1: andrew gerza that i'm trying to make it's short
0: enough to be a hashtag but yeah
1: i mean i've tried to make it a hashtag it hasn't caught on So maybe I'll make it a shirt and then... We'll
0: see what we can do here. Jackson Fuller Real Estate from our global social media headquarters.
1: Maybe you can wear it with your nipple out and then it'll go wildfire.
0: It's San Francisco. Crazier things have happened. This town's out of control. True. (laughs) Let me see if I can sum this up. Number one, don't be afraid to have that conversation. Number two... Recognize that this isn't an us and you thing, that eventually all of us become less abled and disabled in some way over time. Yes. And finally, most of all, accessibility is not a checklist, it is a feeling. Yes. Anything else you want to add, Andrew Gerza?
1: Well, Matt Puller, if people want to hear more about what I do, they can follow me on all the places at www.andrewgerza.com, on Instagram and Twitter at Gerza. They can hire me to do virtual or in-person accessibility venue discussion things. I mostly work in sexuality and disability, but I've started to branch out and do access stuff because it's really fun to show people how inaccessible their spaces are. I genuinely mean that not in like, like oh, it's fun to show you how inaccessible you are, but to give them like oh, I never thought about that. I never realized that. I never understood why that wouldn't work. And now I do.
0: It's really enlightening. It really is.
1: But I mean, I don't want to do it from a mean place of like, (laughs) you didn't know. I, I genuinely want to do it from like, oh, you didn't know? Let me guide you and show you. Because I think there's value in them I did a walkthrough for a theater here in Toronto last week. They asked me to do, I'll just quickly tell the story. They asked me to do a walkthrough for their front of house. So they wanted their front doors and their bathrooms and their like ticket counter for their theater to be more accessible. And everything I said to them, they said to me, oh, I never realized that. I never understood that now. And now I do. And so it was such a cool experience because when we left and I wheeled out of there, they went. Thank you so much for telling us. We would have never realized, and now we do. And now we can make our business more accessible. And I just thought, that's really, really cool.
0: That is an awesome story. That is a very awesome story. And all of your contact info will be in the show notes. And I hope people follow up. And I know I'm definitely going to put you in touch with our local association.
1: Please do. I'd love to work with them more and help them out where I can.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, and all of our other listeners, this is Andrew Gerza. And Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on Eskera Out Loud today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Escrow Out Loud, the SF Real
0: Estate podcast from Jackson Fuller Real Estate. Experts on San Francisco real estate since 2002. Podcast notes with links available at jacksonfuller.com podcast.